Hello, and welcome to The Publicist Speaks. I'm your host, Jessica the Podcast Guru, or that's what I call myself at least. Today, we are venturing down a path that I have never been down before, as my guest, JJ Anselmi, is going to teach me about doom, sludge, and post-metal, all genres of music that I probably secretly know about, but couldn't tell you what they mean right now. <laughs> Welcome, JJ. Hey, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. Now, we all really know that we're here to talk about your new book, Doomed to Fail, the incredibly loud history of doom, sludge, and post-metal, but mm-hmm. I don't know anything about any of those genres of music. So first question right off the bat is, what is what what are they? <laughs> um, I think the kind of biggest uh, definition I could give is like um, basically metal that kind of um, uses Black Sabbath as kind of the blueprint. So, you know, really slow and big sounds instead of kind of the way faster stuff that came came out in later years, like in the 80s and stuff, when it was more about um, thrash and kind of throw, trying to throw as many notes in there as possible. I think Doom is more about um, reducing it and really just trying to make the sounds as large sonically as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the less pretentious answer is that it's, you know, it's music that basically pays homage to Black Sabbath in mm-hmm. in one form or another and kind of um, moves really, really slowly. <laughs> so, like, what kind of bands out there would be considered doom? So, yeah, Sabbath, obviously, like I was saying, and then uh, when I think of, like, um, bands that kind of neatly fit into the doom category, I really think of Candlemass as one that comes up to me, and I think it, it works well for them, too, because... They're the band who really coined Doom as a label. Mm-hmm. Um, they named their uh, one of the most famous records is called um, Epicus Doomicus Metallicus, which is just you know big Latin <laughs> for uh, epic doom metal. Um, and they had kind of that was just the way that they described the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it kind of followed in the footsteps of Black Sabbath, just moved super super slowly, while you know a lot of bands kind of around them at the time we're starting to get into um, thrash and black metal and death metal, which are all way faster. They just move at a much faster tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Candlemass was, yeah, it's, it's a lot about um, kind of capturing a vibe as much as, as much as, as it is about any, you know, any of the notes that are being played. Um, I think those Candlemass is a, you know, a good example for, a bunch of different reasons too, being that, uh, you know, they're kind of, they're from Sweden. They were very disaffected youth. They can really identify with, um, you know, the music that was kind of happening around them. And so I think that's definitely all part of it too. Um, it's a sound for sure, but then sometimes I think the way that you can tell that it's new metal is just straight up from the, you know, the feeling mm-hmm. that kind of hopelessness and, um, just largeness, I guess. That's actually, it's really funny because we've been doing, I've been doing a lot of, um, music related podcasts lately. 
And oh, that's awesome. a lot of a lot of my musicians or my guests that are on here are talking about how you really know a genre when you feel it. And so yeah. I, I'm finding it super interesting because like last time, last musician I had on here was uh, Steve Coulter. And we were talking, okay. we were talking about power pop and yeah. it was, it was very, it, which is, you know, quite different from doom and sludge and everything that we're talking about today, but it's still the same, you know it when you feel it. And so yeah, I find that sure. to be incredibly intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, um, has only gotten more, you know, interesting over the years and that, um, I think somebody like Chelsea Wolf is a really good example of that. And that, you know, she's, I would never like say that she's a doom metal artist necessarily, but it's just as, you know, kind of, um, deep hopelessness and kind of curiosity and existential angst that comes across in that type of music that I think is very much present in her sounds, even yeah. though at times it's just an acoustic guitar. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's spot on. It's, it's all about the feeling. That's amazing. So my next question is, is there a difference between doom sludge and post metal or is it all the same? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there is. I know, uh, a lot of people when I start getting to, into, uh, some of the kind of like sub genres and different branches of metal, a lot of people will kind of say that all those genre labels are kind of bullshit at the end of the day, you know, um, there's, there's good music and then there's bad music and it doesn't really matter. And I can see that perspective, but, uh, yeah, I I do think it's worth kind of honoring the differences because when the musicians were like figuring out these styles, they were really coming from pretty, pretty different frames of mind. And so I think that's, that's worth, um, you know, recognizing that in a lot of ways. And so, to me, like a lot of the doom stuff, uh, from Sabbath to Candlemass to Trouble to the more modern stuff like Bellwitch and Yob, I think there's a pretty defined like um, spiritual underpinning. I think a lot of it is trying to reach for, um, or just kind of reach for like a spiritual truth, I guess, through music, for mm-hmm. lack of a better way to put it. Um, and then Sludge kind of came along, and it was you know very much the hardcore punk answer to that it was um kind of just looking at the concrete um realities that we face every day um just a lot more nihilism um just kind of viewing life from the gutter and you know it's it's very uh pessimistic mm-hmm. and so i think that kind of defined punk aspect is really what separates doom from sludge and then post metal at least the way i started thinking about it with the book there's kind of a there's a standard definition of it, um, and it's music that kind of uh, follows in the vein of the bands uh, Isis and Neurosis. And so really a lot of like emphasis on transitions between quiet and loud. But the more I thought about it, I thought it I think it's kind of cooler to think about um, post metal in terms of like postmodernism. And so in that lens, it's more, I think it's more heavy music that just challenges boundaries in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. It kind of flips, um, flips familiar tropes on their heads and makes it into something new. Or um, I think one of my English teachers would always talk about um, defamiliarization with kind of as being like a core uh, 
can see their goal of postmodernism. And so I think that really holds up with a lot of metal that to me falls under that category. It's it's metal because there's screaming and aggressive <laughs> guitars and a lot of stuff, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's so much different than what Black Sabbath or Metallica or Slayer was ever doing. Yeah. I So I, uh, I grew up with parents who listened to Black Sabbath, Metallica, and, uh, nice. and all of those big names that you could think of. Um, so in my brain, that's what I would... Uh, classify as metal music yeah and then i got into college and met some people who were like very into metal ended up at uh god what where was i uh probably a knot fest okay (laughs) when i got my first like real deep immersion into kind of music that i was not ever really exposed to yeah for sure and I mean, here I am now, f- fuck, eight years later, learning that there's even more kinds of metal music than I could ever have imagined. And yeah. it makes me it makes me wonder if your friend who said that the subgenres don't really matter, it's good or bad, um, mm-hmm. if that's my perspective of music, because I couldn't tell you what music I liked. It's one of those one of those like silly questions that you're asked when you first meet someone. Oh, like what kind of music are you into? And I'm like, I don't know, whatever I'm feeling that day. And so sure. I think that for genres like for the subgenres of this kind of very broad and open music, I very much liked the way that you described the different feelings or the different subtext beneath what is sludge and doom and post metal. Yeah. Because that helps me, as someone who is maybe not as immersed in it as you are, uh, or as other people are, it helps me kind of quantify what could be considered in in under uh-huh. these these genres. So I really I really appreciate that uh, kind of explanation of um, yeah. the differences. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad you uh, <laughs> you talked about that because that's definitely one of the big goals that um i always think about Mm -hmm. um with music writing and that i think it's kind of um a cop-out in a certain sense to only to write something that's about metal that's only going to appeal to people who are already into it i I guess maybe not a cop-out but it's kind of i don't know it's not an interesting challenge and so (laughs) yeah i think you're right in that um one way to kind of do that or show people like what the music really is is kind of highlight yeah, you know the course. cultural kind of context that it it stems from and mm-hmm. then you can at least understand like you know why they made the music that they did and to me that's kind of really the whole the whole core of it um and yeah again i think black sabbath and a lot of doom bands are really fall well into that because it's such a reaction to their surroundings a lot of, of times um you know, some of these musicians aren't the most, like, technically proficient or skilled necessarily, but they have this mm-hmm. kind of feeling about, you know, where they grew up and the culture that shaped them, and they have to reflect that in music in some way. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm really glad that it can kind of reach out um, beyond the metalhead audience and kind of... Uh, <laughs> 
yeah, pinpoint some of those things. Because metal really is, like you said, I think Knotfest is a good example to highlight. Um, just what a weird cultural phenomenon it can be. I mean, it, it stems from all these, you know, like cultural problems and stuff like that. Um, but then it's also like creates all these weird subcultures within itself with these kind of really specific languages and ways of dressing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just... I don't really know what else to say. It's fascinating <laughs> for sure. Um, so Knotfest is still one of those one of those music festivals that's kind of like burned into my brain because it was yeah it was nothing like I expected it to be, but at the same time it was everything that I wanted it to be or that I needed it to be because oh, awesome. it was up up in uh at the San Manuel Amphitheater out here in um, San Bernardino County oh, okay. and. Uh, it it was a lot bigger than I was expecting it to be. There was like 12 stages and everything, every, like I felt like every time I was in a different se- section of stages, I was experiencing a different kind of metal, a different yeah. kind of music. Like it was like, it seemed, it was so much more diverse than I could have ever thought that metal was or this whole genre of music. It is so much more um variable than I could have thought and I think that that's just my inability to or my um lack of knowledge when it comes to music it's never something that I've been I could I could dance for forever but I couldn't tell you how music works at all (laughs) sure so that's a very interesting experience and I think that going through a book like yours where it has different aspects of your life and different aspects of the history of this kind of music makes a very interesting connection. Yeah, that's awesome. I really like that you talk about the uh, the variation because I think there is kind of a, um, you know, that's kind of a view or if you look at metal just on the outside as being like maybe one-sided because all of it seems, you know, very angry. Mm-hmm. And then you, I think you can make the conclusion that um, a, a lot of people definitely make the conclusion that it's kind of superficial in there and maybe not as smart as or interesting as other styles. But yeah, you're really right. Once you look deeper, there is, it seems like there is seemingly endless variation. And every time, you know, I kind of think to myself um, that maybe metal by like actual musicians playing instruments has gone as far as it can go. Somebody just completely destroys oh my gosh. that expectation. Absolutely. <clears throat> and yeah, and so and especially right now I think um there's just so much insanely interesting stuff going on and I feel like metal is gradually opening itself up to be, you know, more diverse and not just for white dudes and I think in that it's only gonna get <laughs> way more interesting and it has i think you know there's so many female musicians and people of color just doing such interesting things within the genre (laughs) and yeah it it makes me excited for sure to kind of just be listening to metal and be in this cultural moment because i know where a lot of us are you know it's it's kind of a scary time to be alive um you know regardless of whatever your political beliefs um I think, you know, a, a lot of people have this kind of, like, fear of doom that's yeah. surrounding us, whether it's going to be, like, we'll kill ourselves, 
um, through war or the environment is just going to destroy us one of these days or whatever it is. It's kind of a scary, scary time to be alive, but at the same time, it's exciting because, uh, you know, it creates a need for people to try and make sense of it with art. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that it's also kind of an undervalued genre. Like it's not as talk, it's not quite as talked about as like pop culture, like pop music right now. Um, yeah. so I think that having a real life connection to this genre really does make it easy and kind and um different to talk about yeah which kind of leads me into the question is what led you to end up writing about this history in conjunction with your own history um good question um (laughs) i guess this is kind of having identified with that kind of vibe uh, that we were talking about earlier, just those, that kind of feeling of, you know, maybe not knowing exactly what the subgenre is, but, you know, knowing the certain vibe when you hear it. Yeah. And so I guess I kind of had that feeling. I was lucky enough, you know, to have it at a pretty early age when I was, um, you know, like 12 years old in junior high, and I kind of started discovering the Black Sabbath records. And so, I guess it's kind of a long way of answering your question. Um, music has just always been with me, like with my throughout my development as a person mm-hmm. in so many ways. And I feel like I can really kind of trace my own, you know, evolution in the way I think about the world and who I am as a person by kind of the bands that have come along with me over the years and the new bands that I've discovered along the way. And um, and so it just felt like a very if I was going to write the history of any type of music, you, you know, I don't think I, I don't know if I'll ever write. Well, it's probably, it's probably silly to say I'm, you know, still fairly young for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine writing another history in the same way, just because I, I haven't had the experience with any other style of music in that way. Yeah. Um, how was this, how was writing this, book different than your last book heavy the research for this one was uh (laughs) pretty staggering at times and so i mean heavy was just there was some research involved but at the end of the day it was my own personal story and so i guess you know you kind of have the liberty of like being the you know the kind of primary resource at the end of the day Mm -hmm. um but yeah with this one and especially with kind of like once you get into some of the more underground bands um the kind of like fact finding can be really difficult (laughs) i can only imagine because yeah yeah and so when you i think music journalism as a whole is like pretty notoriously loose with the facts (laughs) Um, and i I think metal like is especially bad with that or it can be Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i think that was a challenge is trying to find when when I try to lock down an interview with a band and that didn't happen for whatever reason. And then I would kind of reach the point where I knew that all the research was going to have to be on my own. That was always a challenge of like trying to, trying to fact check essentially. Yeah. Um, yourself. And I'm, I'm sure like as, as much as I try it, I'm sure there's still some, 
I, I'm sure there's something off in there. So, yeah, <laughs> it was a challenge for sure. I mean, nothing is ever perfect, but it's still a very exciting book, and it talks, talks about very very different things from at least from what I from what I experienced. Um, oh, thank you. You have, over the course of this conversation, mentioned a couple of different places like Sweden and uh, culture, the cultural take on this kind of music. So I was wondering if the location and the culture of said location has any effect on the creation of this music or the reception of this music. Yeah, I think I think for sure. Um, to me, a lot of my favorite music really has that kind of defined sense of place. I really like music and really any type of art that just has where it comes from kind of written all over it and just kind of ingrained into the DNA of whatever it is, whether it's music or a book or, you know, um, movie or TV show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think for whatever reason, doom and sludge metal especially is just has this really heavy emphasis on um, regionality and where it comes from. I think I hate God is a perfect example of that. Um, you know, coming from new Orleans and, being surrounded by blues musicians. And so that kind of just made sense to them that when they would play metal, it would just be extremely loud blues, essentially. Um, and then kind of, you know, um, shaded in by their own experiences with, you know, drugs and all kinds of the crazy stuff that those guys got into. Yeah. Um, and then the reception aspect, I think, is, is really interesting, too. And they're a good band to sing about in that, in that way too, because there's some really extremely negative aspects to them uh, with like, you know, racist song titles. And they used to uh, hang the Confederate flag on their amps uh, for like years and years. And a, a guitarist like had, had basically like a version of the Confederate flag um, was like his guitar design forever. And so, yeah, I think there is, um, there's just some, you know, there's a really strong regionality, obviously, there. And when they right. talk about it, all those kind of decisions that they made to include that stuff was was not only shaped by their surroundings, but kind of, uh, they always talk about it in terms of, like, trying to screw with people in this really kind of, I guess it turned into a pretty idiotic way, but... <laughs> <laughs> kind of looking at people's perceptions of Southerners and they kind of, they knew that they, I guess they felt that um, people would kind of write them off since they were from the South. And so yep. coming from that perspective, their response was just to push that even harder and turn more people away, which is, you know, something I can't <laughs> condone in any way, but I think it definitely kind of hits on what you're talking about as being, shaped by environment and mm-hmm. um in interviews with that band they always say like you know this stuff is kind of different for people in the south and it's not something i necessarily agree with but i think it hits on what you're talking about of like this is really extreme um shaping of of the music through the environment yeah um and there's way less you know there's way less negative examples too but that's kind of the one that i always think about 
have you did you notice in your research that there's any specific like is there any place in the world where there's like a big surge of this kind of music places in the world where there's big surges of it yeah like for power pop in my you know fun adventures list uh doing these podcasts i learned that madrid has a big following of uh, yeah, yeah. power pop fans is there any place like that for doom or sludge metal yeah for sure i think um on the topic of i hate god new orleans turned into this really huge hotbed for sludge metal especially and a lot of people would argue that that's you know that's basically the entire heart of the genre is new orleans itself um and then backing up more i think you know birmingham had such a huge birmingham england had a huge um i mean it's hard to even you know black sabbath essentially wouldn't exist in in the form that they did if they weren't from birmingham england with its kind of um you know intense industrial atmosphere and the industrial alienation that I think a lot of people felt there growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it kind of goes back to that, um, you know, those like feelings of negativity and kind of the vibe. And I, I think even more than New Orleans in a certain sense, Birmingham, England would be like really kind of the, uh, I guess you could say the Jerusalem of doom metal in a sense. <laughs> yeah. um, because, I mean, years later you had, um, not only Black Sabbath, but uh, Godflesh, which is kind of like was another step in the evolution of heavy metal and directly integrating like mechanical sounds into the music. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely, you know, surges of it for sure in certain places. And again, I think it's a style of metal that is very, very heavily affected by the place where the musicians come from. Yeah. Well, my last question is, uh, in part of your book, you consider yourself to be, quote, one of the doomed. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean to you? Um, I guess there are some layers to it. Um, I guess there's a, a very pessimistic and maybe more of like an optimistic take on it. The pessimistic one is that I mean, I think, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to think of ways to like word this without sounding like a like angry teenager or something like that. But I do think humanity, in a lot of ways, is is doomed, or at least our current way of living is is essentially doomed to fail. It's not set up to be sustainable for you know like any long period of time. If you think about how long like automobile culture and industrial culture has really been around in the context of human history and history in general. It's, it's not very long at all, but the damage that, that we've caused from that is just is insane in such a small amount of time. And so I guess I, I don't know, at the most pessimistic, I think we're all fucked and we're killing the planet <laughs> and it's already gone too far. And, <laughs> um, oh. So yeah, we're all doomed in that sense. But then, I guess the more optimistic take is kind of um, just people who are kind of like drawn to heavy music for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of something that they feel and can't really deny. And I think that kind of turns into this 
um, reaction of either you have to like listen to it and very actively consume it Mm -hmm. and kind of become part of the culture or you have to play it. And it's kind of maybe a deterministic view of like, it's just something you have to do. I think, um, you know, that's, it's not, to me, it doesn't seem like a choice so much as it's something that is like a very natural thing. It's something that I have to do for like playing and listening to. And it's very hard to imagine my life without it or like why I would even try to live, um, you know, like without playing and listening to metal. Well, the fact that you have such a, it has such a deep place in your heart makes me believe that you did perfect justice to this in this book. While I am not an expert in any way, the passion that you have is immense and I can feel it from all the way over here in my studio. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so cool. That makes me really happy. Good. I love hearing that. And I'm very excited to see how this book is going to be received. Um, When this podcast is being recorded, it is coming out on Tuesday. But by the time this podcast is live, it will already be out and in the hands of all of the people who are interested in it. And I'm very excited. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I'm a little uh, a little nervous. It's kind of uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely my uh, pre pub jitters. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm incredibly excited, and um, I guess one thing I always think about for a lot of like uh, for like writing and music that I do is how my 18 year old self would have reacted to it. It's kind of like a gauge <laughs> yeah. for, I, I guess whether or not it's good for whatever reason. And my thing of like handing my 18 year old self this book on doom metal, it would have just blew my mind. So yeah, hopefully it actually has that, uh, that effect on some people. Well, I'm sure it will. So <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Thank you for teaching me about things that I only kind of vaguely understand but I appreciate the effort. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I think your perspective on metal is awesome. Well, fantastic. I can't wait to see how it does and how everybody else likes it. Now that's Doomed to Fail, the incredibly loud history of doom, sludge, and post-metal, available now wherever books are sold. Thanks, JJ. Thanks so much, Jessica.